This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Mark Madden Podcast here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. We got some sports betting to talk about. We got some hockey to talk about. We got some football to talk about. But I want to open up by talking about Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals, who got a hat trick Tuesday with the third of those goals being his career goal number 800. So now he is 95 points away from the career goals mark, currently held by Wayne Gretzky with 894. I welcome now into the conversation Tim Benz. Uh, Tim, do you think it's a guarantee that Ovi's going to get to 895? People are really assuming that he will, but he's 37, and I know he's not been hurt very much, but a lot could happen in two-plus years because – that's how long it's going to take for him to get to 895. Right, and I think if he was Canadian, if he was North American, maybe even uh, you could feel better about it because I think that would mean more to a player like a Crosby or an American-born guy because Gretzky's name might mean more here. I don't know how much that means to Ovechkin if, for instance, like you're suggesting, perhaps he had a really bad concussion like Sid did or if he had uh, two injuries that turned the need for two seasons worth of usual production into four you know so like that you know if he got through 40 games and got hurt or got through 30 games and had a season ending injury now you're talking about maybe needing four seasons worth of time to get to that number maybe for him it's just not worth catching Wayne Gretzky when he's already probably perceived uh, as the greatest NHL Russian player of all time yeah he ain't gonna break it this year ain't gonna break it next year so I, I see what you mean about how if he has to you know double down uh, on on the time required. Yeah. That said, I do think him setting the record does mean a great deal to him. So, uh, barring injury, I think he probably gets it. But uh, I don't know. I was going to say he could hit a wall, but there's no sign of that. He just keeps scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. Uh, and Mark, the other thing about him is like I haven't seen him to this stage yet turning into like a Brett Hall, where it's just stand in the circle and shoot. You know, by the end of his career. or Well, you, there's you, a lot of that, though. Uh, I always say he's like a metronome on that left half wall, especially in the power play. Oh, for the power play, sure. But, but, but you're right. He goes to the net, and he scores off the rush. He he does score in a, a variety of ways. Not as big a variety as, say, Mario Lemieux did. But, uh, but yeah, he can, he can hurt you in a number of varieties. And he's also not, you know, we've seen some guys get to 500 goals or 600 goals by the end of their careers just only standing in front of the net and batting in pucks from two feet away, and he's not there yet. My well, point and, is, and just stop too. Sure, just stop scoring. Look at look at Gretzky. You don't think Gretzky would like to have gotten to nine hundred goals, 
But his last season with the Rangers, he had only nine goals. He was just dying out there. He was on fumes, and that's sort of where I'm going with it, is we have not seen that kind of decline yet in Ovechkin's play uh, where he's close to hitting a wall. I mean, there seems to be, he's not what he once was, but who is. If it's a slow and gradual decline at this pace, he's got plenty of time. Who's better, Ovechkin or Sid, and why? I think Sid's the more complete player, but I think Ovechkin's the better offensive player. I don't think he's the better offensive player. He's the better scorer. He's a better goal scorer. He's more physical. Uh, Otherwise, Sid's way better at everything else. I don't think Ovechkin's ever been in a system where he's ever had to worry about setting everybody else up. Like Everybody on that Capitals team has always been in that dressing room, and the first order of business is to set up Ovechkin. Yeah, that doesn't mean he couldn't have done it anyway. Yeah, he's that good. That's that's my point. Is that like he's never he's never had to think about doing anything else but score goals. Well, no, no, your point's well taken. But Sid top fifty goals one year just because he decided he wanted to. And he might have to do that this year. <laughs> he, he he may well. Yeah, I mean I, that would be a hell of a story to go along with Ovechkin getting to eight hundred. Is for him to get to eight hundred this year and Sid to get back to fifty? How how would that be? How would that look in this age of the NHL kind of turning to new stars to have those two hit those kind of milestones in the same season? Well, even when you look at Ovi's outstanding production, Tim, you got to remember it's been since 2010-11 when he got 50 or more assists, and it was the season before that when he last got to 100 points or better. I'm not denigrating. I'm just saying he is a goal scorer. Not quite, period, but pretty close. I think the other thing that's an element of his game that players might talk about that maybe we don't, enough or as much is especially in the early stages of his career sometimes it was a little dirty but he loved to hit people and like he would oh still does he would wear some defensemen out i always used to get on his back for charging too much i thought he left his feet on every check and uh before they really started to crack down on that he took a lot of liberties but he's got that element of his game uh, a big hitter who is also a goal scorer is rare because a lot of those big hitters know with that occasionally comes injury to yourself. And especially early in his career, he didn't seem to care about that. What if Ovechkin hadn't won that cup in 2018? Mm. It's like if Aaron Rodgers had won that Super Bowl. It would be just a gigantic blemish. I don't want to say he's fortunate because he played well in that playoff and, and the Capitals earned it, but what if they hadn't? Then you never even get to have the conversation about Sid and Ovi. Because he never would have won one, and that's important in these kind of conversations. You know, then otherwise he kind of gets into that Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Dominique Wilkins, Carl Malone, yeah, but range. You know, uh, if he doesn't win one, he was fantastic, but, and then you could always, if you're a Sid fan or a Penguin fan, hold the, well, he's got three and Ovi's got none. Getting one is enough to have the conversation. Well, there's a big difference between none and one. There's also a big difference between one and two. Whereas I feel Sid has a clear advantage from a three to one. Yes, and sometimes... The difference between two and three is not as big. Yeah, you know, the the only caveat you could put on that if you're having a conversation like this and remove these two as the specific examples is if one player played on a team that was just drastically better than the other. Like if... Ovechkin had just willed a no-good Caps team to a cup somehow, but those Caps teams were always really good. You know, just like this. The oh, Pen- you can make the argument he didn't win enough. You could, yes. I mean, heck, you can make the argument that Sid didn't win enough with some of the great teams they had in between 09 and 16. I don't know that you could argue that three's not enough. Oh, no, not, 
not enough in terms of hardware. I'm just saying that there were there were better teams. Oh that no! Did... If 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 he had if he had won just the one, that would be a blemish as yeah. well. Even the one. I'm just saying that you know the, the years even between with one rather oh nine and sixteen. It's not so much Mark that they didn't win one more in that stretch as how they went out in each year. They it felt you felt like they underachieved. Well, it was just, a poorly coached team, although we didn't know it at the time. Like it's funny, I, I compared Bowsman to Tomlin on my show the other day. I said Tomlin won that Super Bowl and hasn't come close. Well, he was in another one, but hasn't come close since then. And now we're suddenly realizing he coaches like a moron. And it took us a while to figure that out because I think he's made a mess of this year's team, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. It was like Bowsma. Oh, he won a cup. He won a cup. He won a cup. Oh, my God. He doesn't know what he's doing. It takes you a while to realize. Are we ever going to start saying Mike Sullivan only won with Mike Johnston's players? I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> is is Ovi among the top five players ever? Boy, because I've always kind of thrown Sid in there as the fifth. If I say yes, then maybe Sid's not in there as the fifth. Well, no, I have, I have uh, uh, or, excuse me, Lemieux, or Gretzky, Sid, and Howe right now. I could have Howe displaced by Ovi, but not yet. Is that how, would you feel better about that? You feel like is that the best five in your mind displacing Howe? Yeah, I think so. Just because of goal scoring talent, it's a lot of goals. Yeah, and that's valuable currency. And it should be noted, Ovi has scored his eight hundred in an era where Gretzky would not have gotten the numbers he did had he played now. Right. If Ovi had played in Gretzky's era, he might have scored a thousand. If Mario had stayed healthy, he might have scored a thousand. And what are the what's the point differential between Sid and Ovi right now? Like three points currently. I forget, but Sid has a slight. Like edge, one of them yes. seventeen and one of them is eighteen. But don't forget, Sid's played appreciably less games. Correct, because of the injury factor. Correct. Right. Yeah. Ovi's only missed five games or more in two seasons. And to go back to the previous point, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing with how much contact he initiates. Like. Sid being injured as often as he is with his size, which is not huge. He's not a huge hockey player. He's no, pretty average, actually, in terms of size. He initiates contact, but in a different way. He welcomes contact. He goes to contact areas. But, you know, when you try to hit as much as Ovechkin did, especially in his earlier years, it's surprising he didn't incur injury onto himself. Well, Sid shields contact. You know, like you said, he goes to trafficy areas and uses that big backside of his mm-hmm. to just kind of weld people off. And he'll he'll you know he'll hit guys, but it's yeah, it's a different kind of contact when you're comparing Ovi. He's also Mark. I don't think as crazy rambunctious through the neutral zone as he used to be pre-concussion. Crosby, Crosby, That's true. Crosby used to skate through the neutral zone and into the offensive end with abandon. And now I think he picks his alleys and picks his lanes more carefully and. Why wouldn't he with the amount of times he's been hit in the head? Now, I want to move to some Steelers talk. And the Steelers, is as we tape this, are 5-8. and eight. They're out of the playoff picture. Not quite mathematically. But My God, not. can they lose again before people hear this? Uh, no, well, conceivably, <laughs> yes. Uh, how much blame does Mike Tomlin merit for what's happened with these Steelers? Because I a think he, he shoulders a lot. A ton. Because he is very much involved in player procurement. Uh, oh, he, he has final say. Let's let's be be clear about that. And if he has final say, as much say as I think he ever had this offseason because we all knew Colbert was out and no one who had been put in place yet. In fact, when did Andy Weidel even get officially introduced? Was it after the draft? I can't remember. I guess it was after the draft, right? Yeah, because Colbert was still involved in this draft. The way that they decided to sign Trubisky, go out and draft Kenny Pickett, 
already knowing that they had decided previously to keep Rudolph, he created this animal. What's going on right now is 100% residue oh, of Mike oh, Tomlin's he, he decisions. He has mangled the quarterback position since the day Ben retired. Because there was an inkling they were going to you know, draft a quarterback. They did not need to sign Trubisky. They could have gone with the draft pick and Rudolph. If they signed Trubisky, then they should have waited until next year to draft a quarterback. And we are seeing what I always predicted would be the case with the quarterback situation where they thought they were giving themselves options and what they really were doing was giving themselves clutter. They're giving themselves options, but they know themselves that they don't like a lot of these options right now, especially with Kenny Pickett as a rookie. You, well, know, you, know, you know what you get when you, when you pile together three piles of crap? One big pile of crap. Exactly, that's what they have. And that includes Pickett, who's not been good. They, I think, were so scared by what they saw when Ben went out in 19, Tomlin's number one agenda was to not have that happen again. But the difference was if you had your perfect scenario in 2019, the perfect scenario would be that one guy, that number seven would be healthy. Now you don't necessarily like any of your options. Now we're back into David Woodley, Cliff Stout, Mark Malone, Scott Campbell kind of territory here. Well, on Tuesday at practice, and it's ongoing as we speak, Tom manufactured a quarterback controversy uh, for no reason. You know, who's going to start a picket can't? Uh, you know, you got Mason and Trubisky spitting reps. I, I, I thought that was really disrespectful to Trubisky, who has taken all the number two reps all year. Tomlin said that Trubisky and Rudolph were 2-2A, two and two a, not reflected in the reps, just a total lie. I thought Mason Rudolph might have had the quote of the year when yes. somebody gave that to him, and his response was, Do you I, feel like 2A? He goes, I felt like I was scratched every game day. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, how is that 2A? I, I get it, 2A, but there's only two guys who dress. That's pretty far from being two. Um, you know, for this week, I, th- I, th- I wonder if Tomlin's a little apprehensive of going to Rudolph because what if Rudolph does well? If Rudolph does well, that just makes Tomlin look but, bad. But I think he's going to Rudolph to, defle- to deflect from from the bad job he's done coaching the team and the fact that they're 5-8. and eight. Do you think they're mad at Trubisky for how he played? Not just you know disappointing that he threw picks, mad that he took the chances. I don't know. I, mean, I think they are. Well, I think he should try to win the games. I think they're teaching Kenny Pickett to be a game manager of bland and boring and ineffective proportions. That's one thing to do when you're in the vacuum of likely not being a playoff contender, which they were all year, and especially by the end before Pickett got hurt. You can teach a guy to be a game manager, but it's tough to manage your way to victories. Um, You know, I I think some of the conversation about where their head was as to whether or not this is a rebuilding season, let's just say that's been reflected more in their actions uh, than their words. You got Deontay Johnson saying today that he wants Rudolph to start. They're picking sides in the locker room, Tim. Well, I that makes me think all of a sudden that it is supposed to be or going to be Rudolph because why else would he say it as definitively as he did today? You know, like that, that surprised me that he was that candid and frank about it. It surprised me that he would pick a guy. He surprised me that he would pick Rudolph because nobody. No, was no, picking... but he shouldn't be picking anybody. It's not for him to decide, and it reflects badly on who he doesn't pick. But he's been picking everybody all year. He just picks. He's the third time the three guys that he's picked. He's you know he he wanted Trubisky at first, and then he got mad at Trubisky, and then it went to Pickett. And he was all about Pickett. Now he's all about Mason Rudolph, and still doesn't have a touchdown catch after thirteen games. It's a lot of buttering up to not have a touchdown. Did Trubisky get screwed? Did he get pulled too early, week four? Do you think promises were broken? 
I think, I don't know what kind of, there should have been some sort of promise given to him or else I don't know why he would have signed. See, I've been told that he, he was told that he would be able to start at least through the bye week. That would make sense. Now, I wonder when he was told that. Was he told that before he was signed and then he just didn't feel like, okay, well, if they're telling me this, they're not going to draft a quarterback? Like, the, the thing that I was judged by Trubisky's body language and actions through minicamp and through the draft after even they got Pickett, his personality didn't change. His personality started to change right around that first preseason game when you know the fans were at training camp and everybody's yelling Kenny, Kenny, Kenny all the time. And then when Mason went out there, somebody blew a blocking assignment and everybody started to chant for Kenny. I think Trubisky heard that and said, if they're doing that to him already, they're going to do that to me. And I think that and just, they did. And they did. And I think that changed everything in his eyes. And, and frankly, Mark, probably did for the coaches too. They'd never admit that, but I think it did. Uh, did Rudolph get screwed to, to not get an opportunity this year till now? If he got screwed, he got screwed in March, sorry, in um, August and September when he, I thought, outperformed everybody based on who he was playing with and who he was playing against. Uh, I thought he had the best training camp in preseason. Right, but there was never competition. But there was never competition. So he only, to answer your question, he only <clears throat> got screwed if he generally believed it was a competition and he never should have thought that because why did they go out and get two quarterbacks in front of me? Yeah, but I mean, don't you think that he thought he'd get a chance till they got the two quarterbacks? I think they told him, yeah, you'll have a chance to win it. Then they just kept bringing in quarterbacks. I think he knew that they would go out and get a guy. I think he was prepared for a Trubisky type. I don't think he was prepared for a Trubisky type and a number one. Well, do you agree with me that if they that once they signed Trubisky, they should have waited till next year to draft a quarterback? Or if they thought they were going to draft a quarterback, should just have had Rudolph as the transition guy? not sign Trubisky, and if they were even having a chance to get Pickett, just have Rudolph be the... Yes. Yeah. Because if you're taking a first-round quarterback, I think at some point that first-round quarterback is going to play his rookie season, and if he displaces Mason Rudolph, so what? Yeah, so I think think the waste of the... The move was getting Trubisky. A lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people think that drafting Pickett was the waste. I think Trubisky was the waste. I think doing both was the waste. Doing both was dumb. But, you know, I don't think you pass on who you think is going to be a franchise quarterback. Now, they might have misevaluated Pickett. Yeah, he ain't no franchise quarterback. They thought he was. Yeah, but you know you know what is striking? Take the three interceptions out, how much better Trubisky moves the team, 22 first downs, no three and outs, and how much stronger Trubisky's arm is. I mean, visibly stronger. And I think that's changed once he's become the backup. Because remember... In the first three and a half games, he was playing like Pickett. Yeah, but his arm still has more zip, period. I think he's got a better arm. Yeah. yeah. And frankly, I think he's a better runner, too. But, I, you know, upstairs, I think Pickett's going to be better. Uh, we'll see about that. I think Pickett's a little brighter, and I think Pickett has a better grasp of football. Let's just see what it looks like when he's in his second year as opposed to his first. Well, let's look at a couple games here, Tim, in the NFL. Uh, Miami is a seven-point underdog at Buffalo. Uh Buffalo's won uh, four in a row now, but they've been mostly close games. It's eight and five versus ten and three. It's pretty much going to decide that division. I think Buffalo probably wins and covers, but I don't think Buffalo's the team we expected it to be. Not yet, anyway. No, because they've had some injuries, and Allen hasn't been the same since the elbow thing came around. I look at that game, and one thing that leaps out to me is uh, 
if you can find a good tease partner, I'd love to get an extra six out of Miami. If you're just playing it straight, I probably go with Buffalo. But if you want to tease in the six, seven point range, I think that's going to be a one score game up there. I, mean, I think it's going to be a one score kind of. So you know, is it six or is it seven? Is it six or it's eight? Get yourself the extra points if you can. But I mean, if, if I had to go with one team, I. I probably would take Buffalo, but I would like to get a tease on that because I definitely think a tease is going to keep it in the window. You Miami's a playoff team for sure. Yeah, I think they're one of the seven, one of the three wild cards. Yes. You think the Jets are dropping out now in that division? You think yeah. it's going to boil down to just? Uh, well, I don't know about that because Buffalo I, and Buffalo and Miami. I always assumed the Chargers are going to do something to charge themselves out of it, so I don't rule out the Jets or the Patriots from that mix. I think it's going to be a second team from the North, the Dolphins. And then my best bet, frankly, is either the Jets or Patriots because I just assume the Chargers are going to screw it up somehow. You got the Steelers getting three points at Carolina. Carolina can run the ball. The Steelers can't stop the run. I don't know how you don't take Carolina in this one. I'm going to take Carolina. I'll give the field goal. And they have a reason to play, too. They could still win the NFC South. I'm dying to see what the individual over-under yardage total is for Foreman. The running back. Right. Uh, I think he's had... Not out yet at Bet Rivers. Yeah. Four 100-yard games in the last seven. Um, that's basically enough to convince me that if you see a number somewhere around 75, 80 for him, and I bet you it's not that big because they give the ball to Hubbard, too. Uh, my hunch is that over-under individually for Foreman ain't going to be that high, and I would play over it. Here's an interesting game. Detroit 6-7. and seven. At the New York Jets, they're seven and six. It's an even game. Uh, I was shocked when Detroit was favored against Minnesota. Even more shocked when Detroit won the game outright. Uh, the Lions are on the way up. The Jets look like they're on the way down. Mike White's going to start a quarterback, but they're giving uh, the boy toy a uniform this week. Uh, maybe the Jets are arriving the year early. Maybe they're not a playoff team this year, but uh, but but uh, the, the Lions can still make it. Maybe they get Mitch Trubisky next year and they're in their playoff team. Yeah, really. Uh, I I was with you last week. I love the Minnesota play. That was my play of the week. I haven't had my play of the week blow up in my face like that in a long time. But, um, you know, this time, you know, this kind of goes back to my conversation about who backs in as the last team in the AFC wild card. This is a game that the Jets have to win to be that team, I think. Um, my gut says that the Lions are the better team right now. Uh, I'm leaning towards some desperation of the Jets, but then I think about Mike White with bad ribs and uh, maybe you're right about that. Maybe you're right what you said earlier. The Chargers get in because the Jets can't. Maybe it just comes down to the Chargers and Pats for that final team in the AFC because I, I do think the Lions win. What's your pick of the week, Tim? My, my pick is Carolina giving three uh, to the Steelers. Who do you like? I like that, and and I, I wanted to go over on Foreman. That's my bet of the week is to go whatever the individual rushing yard is, go over it when it comes out with Foreman. Now, I also want to handicap the uh, the World Cup final between Argentina and France. Argentina is plus two hundred five. France is plus one sixty three. The tie is plus two hundred five. I bet France the beginning of the tournament at plus seven seventy, so I could make a few bucks there. Mbappe's the best player. France is the best team. But the romance of Messi finally winning the World Cup at thirty five. Uh, he was the runner up. Argentina was the runner up in twenty fourteen, uh, and he's playing like vintage Messi. Even at age 35, he's never played this good in a World Cup before. He looks like Barcelona Messi. Like when Messi was at Barca, like how he used to just run the field. You know, just be so dominant. He's looking like that at 35, finally, at the international level. But I'm still picking France. 
So is this, you know, we drew the analogy earlier, is this akin to like a, you know, one of the 16 or 17 cup runs for Crosby? Is that sort of how he's how he's playing it? Uh, it, it that's, that's tough because it's not a physical game. Crosby was a physical force in those cup runs as well, but he's just distributing the ball unerringly and moving without it unerringly. Like every time he has the ball, the crowd holds its breath. And really in the World Cup, it's not been like that for him before, not even in 14 when they made the final. Well, I'll be totally honest with you. What I know about soccer largely comes from you. So when I listen to you talk and how much of a machine you thought France was, I haven't seen anything in what I've read or seen watching games to dissuade me for that, so I'm going to lean there. Yeah, only one Liverpool player left in the tournament. Uh, Kanate, center defender for France, the stalwart back there. So, so yeah, I'm taking France and, and rooting for France because of that. Now, Tim, uh, before we wrap up, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Because I hate them all. Even Bad Santa? No, that's my favorite. Okay, yeah. Bad Santa and Christmas Vacation I like very much. Those are my two favorite. Christmas Vacation? I thought that was one of the weakest of the vacation franchises. Franchise. Um, Where would you rank it? So, obviously, Original Vacation is one, right? Then Vegas, too? Yes. And then Christmas, and then Europe. Uh, Maybe even Europe and then Christmas. Europe, Europe had a little bit more raunch to it, didn't it? Europe because of Eric Idle <laughs> and, and the hot, wet wife. Yes, and what about the girl in the mountains? What about the girlfriend that, that knew Rusty had? Right, there you go. Yeah. Well, she was at Germany when they went to Bavaria or something like How, that? There were four different Rusties in the four movies, weren't there? Oh, is that right? Is there four? I think so. Yeah, you're right. It was four. That's right. Yeah, and who was the last one in Christmas Vacation? Jonathan... Uh, uh, I can't remember his last name now, but he, don't you mean Vegas Vacation? It was the oh Vegas Vacation was the cliched kid who's in every like Nick Papa Giorgio. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what's the actor's name? Though? <laughs> He's like in every teen angst movie for quite a while. He was the bass player in uh, that thing you do. Yeah, yeah, right. He was in that. He yeah. was. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it, I don't know the actor's name, but I'll I'll find it somewhere here. So, but uh, but I have I think Bad Santa is a masterpiece. I Ethan think Embry. Ethan Embry, right. I think Bad Santa's a masterpiece. I thought Bernie Mac was brilliant in Bad Santa. And I think the highlight of the movie was the negotiation scene. Oh, that was a great scene. Hoff. With 33, Hoff. And a third, Hoff. <laughs> I also liked, I'm not huge on montages, but they, they were very creative in their montage of how they went through the department store and stole everything. Right, right, you right. Know, he used a little hand to get up the mannequin, and then he felt the hand, the hand felt the mannequin's boob. <laughs> and he and he chopped, he used the golf yeah. club to chop the mannequin's leg down. At the same time, Billy Bob Thornton's hitting the safe with the sledgehammer. Exact, yes, yeah, right. They had the, um, it was not Flight of the Valkyries, but the you know very over-the-top instrumental music in the background. I also like all the Christmas episodes of that 70s show. I think they are all actually exceptional. And uh, I also like the Rudolph and Frosty Christmas specials, but, and I'm doing a monologue about this on my show today, Tim, don't you think Rudolph should have told them to, to, to shove his nose where the sun don't shine? Well, the big they thing, bullied him, they excluded him. The big thing on on Twitter now is they're trying to cancel Rudolph because Santa, Santa and the reindeer were bullying. Well, Santa and uh, whoever the adult reindeer was that ran the crew. Was it Blitzen or Donner? Donner. Well, whose son was was Rudolph? Rudolph was oh, the man. son of one of the. Now the, I can't remember. Yeah, but at any rate, but you had adults encouraging the exclusion. Right, exactly. They were bullying, and you can't have bullying. So Twitter is now trying to cancel Rudolph. 
Hashtag cancel Rudolph. Which is not for Mason Rudolph, by the way. Completely different kind of cancellation for that. I thought Rudolph should have said to Santa, Santa, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Uh, uh, any, any other Christmas? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say no. No, it's not. It a occurs Christ- at Christmas time, right? But it's not a Christmas themed movie. There's no Christmas message there, is there? I mean, aside from the good guy wins, but like, what's the Christmas message to it? I hate to say this, I've never seen Die Hard all the way through. Uh, I mean, I'm, I can't really think of a Christmas theme. Aside, I like I like Die Hard three, the Samuel L. Jackson one, and then Die Hard four, the Timothy Oliphant one. Yeah, there have been some good guys, good bad guys in the Die Hard franchise. That's always kept that franchise going. They found different good bad guys along the way. Jeremy Irons was really good in the second one. Who was the uh, villain in the first one? Alan Ruckman. Right, yes. Great voice. Fantastic voice. Jeremy Irons sounded just enough like him. They made him his brother. You remember that? That was the one where they had like all the trucks in the big tunnels and they were getting the gold out in the trucks. What was Alan Ruckman's best role ever? I don't know. He was the voice of God in Dogma. Oh, was he? Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. I think I heard you say that before. But he was embodied. He just was the spokesman for God. Yes, that's as good of a role as you're going to get. Well, and that's as good of a podcast as you're going to (laughs) get, at least from us today. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network. BetRivers.com and wherever you find your podcasts.